turn with me again to the scriptures that are given to us in Luke chapter 11, and we'll continue this study of this precious relationship of prayer. And it is a relationship. It is a relationship that we have with the Lord. And as we begin to study, I'd like to remind us of a special truth that's ever present within these words. And that is that everything that we encounter, everything that we pray about each day is spiritual. It's spiritual. We tend to separate things out between the temporal things of life and the more spiritual matters of the holy God. But to the Lord, all matters, all the matters that we bring to him each day, they're all spiritual, whether they be of a temporal nature like food and clothing, where we live, those family crises that we uh, live through each day, and on and on. Or it be as we honor Him and worship Him. Our God is always intimately involved within each of those matters. Intimately involved in each of those matters, making all of those matters spiritual. And that's especially so for all of those unexpected encounters that we experience as we live and move and have our being here on this earth. God wants you and me to treat every encounter, all of those matters, as being spiritual. Whether we are, as we talked about last week in the message, whether it's someone we encounter at Walmart, or it's one of our children calling us on the phone with a difficulty that they want to talk to us about, all of those matters are spiritual. And I want us to talk about that today, and I want to use as an example some personal matters that are taking place within my own private life. But first, let me read these words for us, and if you'll follow along in Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 9. Verse 9, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now these words, these words are so appropriate for me and my wife and our family on this day, October the 8th. October the 8th marks the anniversary of one of the most difficult events that have taken place in our family life. It was two years ago today that my precious wife was struck by that car and severely injured there in Collierville, Tennessee. But while that was a very painful chapter in our life, very difficult time, especially for my precious wife, with all of her suffering and all of her many months of rehabilitation, the experience was not all bad. It was not all bad. There were so many blessings that took place within all of that suffering. First of all, my dear wife could have been hurt much worse. And permanently so. And she could have even have died. And for those mercies from God, we're so very grateful. 
For my part, in all that took place, I've been so greatly blessed in that from the very first moments of my wife's suffering, I've been required to go beyond my own self-centered needs and to instead focus my daily efforts on tending to the care and the needs of my beloved wife. And I've experienced such great joy in all of those times of waiting on her and helping her. I've experienced great joy in all that I've done. And while now physically my dear wife is getting back to some measure of normality, some of the effects of the trauma still do remain, and they most likely will continue. And beyond the trauma, we're also still within the throes of the battle with the insurance company to pay the bills that accumulated to pay for the fixing of all that was broken in my sweet wife's body. Which then brings us to the reality and to the truth of these words that we're studying about here in our scripture text today. The truth is that we ought always to pray. That's what he tells us here. And not just to pray, but to be ever so persistent with our prayers. To persistently ask and to seek and to knock, knowing and believing that as we are faithful in our persistent praying, God will also be faithful to work out the answers and the solutions to our needs. For us in this difficult circumstance, our fervent daily prayer that he calls us to in these scripture verses that we read here today, first of all, is for the continued recovery of my dear wife, both from the physical injuries and also from the trauma that still continues to reach in and give her problems and grief. And then also fervent prayer for ourselves, that our hearts would be gracious towards the woman who was driving the car that struck my precious wife. We could easily develop an anger and a bitterness towards that woman, especially because she doesn't seem to have much remorse about her role in the injuries. From the very little knowledge that we have about this woman, there's some evidence that she's in need of fervent prayer for her soul. And because of that, and considering the promise concerning the Holy Spirit that's spoken about here in this passage, my wife and I have chosen to pray for this woman daily, to pray for her that God would intervene within her soul. And then also, in keeping with these words that we're studying here in this scripture passage, we're fervently praying again for those medical bills to be paid. With all of these things to fill our thoughts each day, we're thankful for the sweet truths that are given to us here in these scriptures. And remembering that while, yes, some of these matters are of a very practical nature, each one of them is still very, very spiritual. And these words of truth, they exhort us and they encourage us to be faithful in our persistence in prayer, never faltering in our perseverance, never giving up for a moment as we pray, fervently asking and seeking and knocking and trusting that God truly will do as he promised. And at the very best time possible, and in the very best way possible, he'll bring an answer to all of our persistent prayers. And I know that for each of you, you've had experiences. This is required of us, folks, as we work our way through, as we navigate our way through the difficulties of the day that we have in front of us. 
As I've considered these special words of Scripture, especially in light of that incident of the injury of my wife, I've thought how God so wisely uses the occurrences of daily life to give us a deeper and more intimate understanding of Himself. Yes, we could just encounter our difficulty and our suffering and we could go off in a corner and we could feel sorry for ourselves. Or we could call a friend and we could complain. But folks, listen, that's not what God wants of us. God really is so wise as He uses these occurrences of daily life to give us a more deeper and more intimate understanding of Himself and of His ways and of His will. And also to instruct us about the responses that He wants you and me to have to those circumstances and especially to these truths that He has given to us here. As with these truths in our passage for today, we need to take note, folks, listen, we need to take note that when God uses the opportunity to repeat a matter over and over again in several ways, He really wants you and me to sit up and take notice and to follow the instructions that He's giving. Here, He tells us to ask, to seek, and to knock. Here, God is repeating over and over again the absolute necessity for us, for you and me, to be persistent, to be diligent, and to be patient when, when these circumstances occur in our lives. When we come to Him with our prayers and our petitions, He wants us to be not only to pray, but to be persistent and aggressively so. Aggressively so. He says, I want you to ask And then I want you to seek and I want you to knock and I want you to keep doing that. As we studied last week in the parable about the man who came to his friend at midnight to ask for bread to feed another friend who had stopped by unexpectedly on a journey. Jesus said, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he'll rise and give him as many as he needs. It's so very... Very important that we not lose heart when answers to our prayers don't come quickly. I think of so many times over these past two years in this circumstance with my sweet wife, how things did not take place as we thought we needed them to. But God was working in each of those circumstances. You know, God has so many, many different things to accomplish in each of the circumstances of our life. We have the one that's impending upon our own thoughts at the moment, but he has a lot of other matters to accomplish within that same circumstance. Some of those people that he wants to deal with, they'll be directly involved in the matter that we're praying about. With us, it was my dear wife. It was me. It was the woman who was driving the car, but it was also the doctors. It's also the lawyers that are involved. And then on out, many, many more people. So yes, some of those will be directly involved, but others will be lesser involved, but God wants to still work out something within their lives. And the one problem that seems to be with human nature is most often, Some of those people will not cooperate with God's efforts. Sometimes you and I don't cooperate with Him. And again, as I said in the message last week, God has given each person a free will. And that free will is a necessary part of every equation of life. As much as we might want God to simply force 
uh, someone to do something, as with us in this circumstance of my wife's injury. We might want God to force those people to do the right thing. But forcing their obedience is not something that God often does. Yes, God is sovereign. And yes, He's all-powerful. And He can and He sometimes does impose His providence on a person or on a circumstance. But God also has some self-imposed rules that He Himself must follow. And the evidence from these scriptures and the evidence from the ordinary events of our daily life show us that when it comes to the exercising of our free will, and especially in those times when we choose to make wrong choices, that God will not usually intervene and stop us. He'll warn us, yes. He'll warn us against taking certain steps. But He doesn't stop us. He'll often allow us to go ahead with our free will behaviors and let them take their course and sometimes at our own peril. Folks, as strange as it might seem to us, in those times, our almighty and all-powerful God will actually allow His divine purposes to be stymied by us. God tells us that we're able to grieve His Holy Spirit, that we're able to quench the fire, His Spirit's fire within us. What an awful thought that is, that we would actually stand in the way and prevent the righteous work of the Almighty God. But we do it. Too often we do it. And folks, that's a very fearful position to be in. But many, many people do stand in His way. And again, sometimes it's us. It's you and me. And because that can take place, you and I need to continually examine ourselves to see if we're grieving or we're quenching the work of the Holy Spirit. And then we need to get out of His way. God is gracious to those of us who know Him and have His Spirit abiding within us. And if we're careful to listen, He'll bring conviction to our minds. And He'll urge us to move on aside. But again, we need always to be listening. Else we'll miss that whisper that comes from His Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, for those who don't have Christ as their Savior, and they don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them, they can't hear. They can't perceive His urging, at least not like we can. And so they continue in their ways, on and on. And that precipitates the need for our being persistent, that we persevere, that we pray for God to help them and to help us. Now here in today's passage, we find that Jesus, He's not only calling us to persistence, He calls us to patience in our prayers and in our petitions. He's also urging us to be very aggressive, though, to be very aggressive as we approach His throne of grace, to ask, then to seek, and then to knock. It's not just a quick prayer that we throw up in the air towards Him. He's telling us to be aggressive in our persistence, to ask, to seek, and to knock. And again, as we said in last week's message, God not only desires to help the ones that we're praying for, He then, if we are persistent, if we're faithful in our prayers, He sends His grace and His blessings right on back to us, the ones who are praying and making those petitions. And He blesses us beyond any measure that we could hope or imagine. Now, question... What is actually taking place here in this insistence by Jesus that we be aggressive in our pursuit of Him? 
I'm convinced, folks, that it's in this kind of aggressive pursuit of God that we discover that greater measure of faith that God desires for us to have. Let me say that again. I'm convinced that it is in this aggressive pursuit of God and of His will that we discover that greater measure of faith that God wants us to have. Oswald Chambers, in speaking about persistence in our pursuit of God's favor, he suggests that when a person is still young in their faith, that God will very often quickly provide answers to their prayers and their petitions. But then, as time goes by, and that person's faith begins to grow, God's answers seem to come more slowly, more slowly. But the delay, the delay should never be a discouragement to it. Oswald Chambers insists that it's simply God's way of letting us know that as part of his family, he's now trusting us with bigger and more meaningful matters to pray about. Matters that require more time and more effort in prayer. It's a strange thought, but I agree with him. Now here in today's passage, God is encouraging us to literally storm his gates with our persistence to ask, to seek, and to knock, and to never stop asking, seeking, and knocking. But listen, rooted within and permeating every fiber of our aggressive persistence must be a pervasive humility. Humility. So important that we be humble as we approach the throne of God, desiring and seeking and asking only for the perfect will of God to be accomplished in the matter that we brought to him. And folks therein can lay a very difficult problem with our prayers and our petitions. We need to be cautious because too often we allow our sympathies and our affinities to get intermixed with our desires for God's will. Let me say it again. Too often we allow our sympathies and our affinities to get intermixed with our desires for God's will. And our Prayers and our petitions can then go astray. We start praying for what we think should take place or what we want to take place. And that's when our prayers and our petitions can go astray, and sometimes aggressively so. I think about the many times that prayer requests are offered up for the physical healing of a loved one who might be close to death. We experienced this in the death of our son. We were praying fervently all through the day, all through the nights. And I do fear that during those times, we were probably often praying our sympathies and our affinities. Folks, there are many well-meaning believers out there who adamantly hold to a belief that illness, sickness, disease comes only from the devil. And that with enough fervent prayer that God will heal the suffering one. And yes, much of what those folks might believe may be true. Because God can and He does sometimes heal a desperately ill person. But not always. We know that. Not always. And as to the devil's involvement, I also believe that many of the illnesses that we have, that our loved ones have, they come from the hand of Satan. Because that's what Satan does. That's what the demonic minions do. How do we know that? It's because we only have to look at the old servant Job in Scripture. And we see how many 
of the ways that Satan can work misery into a person's life. His finances, his health, even his friends and his wife turned against him. But listen, there's a truth that that book of Job gives to us strongly. And that is that Satan can do nothing more than what God permits him to do. And he has to come to God to ask permission for all that he does. He did that with dear old Job. That will always also be true when it comes to the suffering that you and I and our loved ones will encounter. So then to pray that God would drive Satan away from his mistreatment of ourselves or our loved ones, it's a good thing to do, yes. But folks, God may have some other plans that we don't know about. And we need always to be careful to first listen, to first seek to know and to do His will in a matter. And not let our sympathies and our affinities overpower our prayers. We need to be seeking to know His will. And I don't mean just saying at the end of our prayer, if it be your will. That's not what God intends for us. He wants you and me to first desire His will to be done. Not secondly. He wants us to first desire that His will be done. Even over and above the health and the well-being of ourselves or our loved ones. If it would bless God that I would have some terrible disease and that I would suffer and eventually die from it, then that should be all right with me. I want to say that again. If it would bless God that I would have some terrible disease, that I would suffer and eventually die from it, that really should be all right with me. And it does not make God to be unkind or unrighteous or unholy to reach His hand into our lives and to provide woe and to provide suffering rather than to provide healing. God is truly good all of the time. And everything that he does is good. It's always good. Even our suffering and our death. We must not always measure good and evil, right and wrong, righteousness and unrighteousness, based upon our own human sympathies. And I know that that is a hard truth to accept. But God's ways are not our ways. He knows more, and His wisdom is far better than our own. So then, as God begins to trust you and me with the bigger matters of life, and as we begin to storm His gates asking and seeking and knocking at His door in pursuit of Him and of His blessings, we need to always remember to be very careful with our prayers and our petitions. Our sympathies are not always a good measuring tool. Our sympathies are not always a good measuring tool. They can often be confusing to us. You and I must first aggressively seek to know God's will. That's the first thing that we need to seek. And that is to know God's will in any matter that we're praying about. And again, sometimes that's one of our hardest obstacles to overcome. And to some degree, it will always be that way. But listen, God has a way of easing our difficulty. There's a promise that's implicit in God's word that as we draw nearer to him and as we come to know his heart and his mind, then we'll begin to more and more know those things that he really wants us to know. 
we'll know more and more about those things that he wants to take place. We'll know more and more of those matters that we should pray for. That's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal, to know the heart and the mind of God on each matter that we encounter. And he even tells us how we can know that. He answers that by saying in Luke verse 13 of chapter 11, So if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's the answer, folks. That's the answer. God's Holy Spirit. God gives us his Holy Spirit that very first moment that we receive Jesus as our Savior. And that's when the wisdom and the knowledge of God really begins to flow through our heart and our mind. He tells us there in Ezekiel, he says, I will put a new spirit within you and I will put my spirit within you and then I will move you to do that which I please. That's what will take place with us. But there in the beginning when we first received his spirit, that was only the beginning. As we, as you and I, yield our hearts and our minds to him more and more, then he more and more begins to fill us with more and more of his wisdom and his knowledge. And we'll know things that we never knew before. We'll understand things much better than we've ever understood them before. And that's the thing that you and I must seek after. Not just answers to our questions about whether something is within his will, but rather to have his spirit full within us. And as his spirit begins to abide more fully within us, we'll begin to know things that we never knew before. We'll begin to do things that we never did before. We'll begin to see matters and needs and hopes from a whole different perspective, from God's perspective. Isn't that a marvelous thought? That we would know the heart and the mind of God and that we would actually begin to do things in the way that he intends. That we could, with great confidence, storm those gates of heaven, asking and seeking and knocking at the door of God on behalf of our friends, our loved ones, and to receive answers that we need. Isn't that a wonderful thought? And it can be, if I invite his Holy Spirit to have full sway within my heart, I can know more and more of his will all of the time. And I want you, each one of you, to do that today. We each have professed a saving faith in Christ. So the question is, why don't we get about the things that God intends for us? We each need to beseech God to reveal to us the things that he wants us to pray fervently for. And then we really need to get about it with great confidence, but with patience and perseverance. We need to ask, and we need to seek, and we need to knock. And then we really do need to expect to literally feel the presence of God's Holy Spirit as he goes about fulfilling his will in all of those matters that we're praying for. That's such a wonderful thought, folks. Let me close with these words. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we confess to you that we do fall short so often. We do allow our affinities, our sympathies to get in front of your will. We ask your forgiveness. 
And so we pray, Holy Spirit, make us to know your will. Help us as we ask and we seek and we knock. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.